Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked On Wolves. Today on the show, we're going to preview a big weekend ahead for the Timberwolves at the Bulls on Friday night, at the Raptors on Saturday. I also want to take a peek at that last two-minute report from the debacle on Wednesday night. We're going to do all that here on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend and happy Timberwolves game day. A uh, big thank you, first of all, for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves. That's Locked on T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, off the top, quick apology for my voice. A little, a little under the weather, a little. Um, a little bit of a sore throat here today, so uh, apologies in advance for that. Um, I do want to get to the last two minute report. I don't. I don't know. I don't really want to start another podcast by talking about officiating, but we'll get to it towards the end of the show here today. I want to talk first about this this weekend and, and really the upcoming schedule. Um, the Timberwolves were very fortunate on um, whatever night that was Wednesday night to have the Lakers lose to the Houston Rockets. Uh, the Mavericks did win; they beat the Spurs. Um, the Warriors lost to the Clippers. And again, the, the Wolves do have that Clippers tiebreaker. Um, so that a couple of games really go their way in the Western Conference. And that means that in terms of the standings, the Wolves didn't really lose much ground. Like, I, I mean, on the flip side, of course, if they'd won, we'd be talking about them being tied for the sixth seed and just a game behind the Clippers for the five seed plus the tiebreaker. But they're still seventh in the West. They're tied with the Mavericks in terms of record, but again, have that tiebreaker. They're a game clear of the Lakers and Thunder and a game and a half ahead of the Jazz and Pelicans who are both a half game out of the play-in right now. So, yes, the Wolves are as close to 10th place as they are to 6th. But still, it could have been a lot of worse, a lot worse on Wednesday. And now upcoming, um, this is a really, really important stretch. And they're difficult but winnable games. So the Timberwolves go to Chicago Friday night. We'll preview that here in just a moment. They go to Toronto on Saturday. Well, I also want to preview that one since we won't have a Saturday show during the day. Those are both teams that have been disappointing this season in the East. It's funny because you look at the Eastern Conference, and I mean, I think everyone would say the West has been disappointing, right? No one expected this this kind of muddled mess in the West. And you could argue that the certainly the two, maybe the three best teams in the NBA are all in the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee and Boston are the two best teams, at least in terms of record. Philadelphia, you know, is is what a game worse than Denver, but with how Denver's been playing lately, uh, you know, Philly's kind of been the opposite. Like you could argue that that Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly, in some order, are well actually in the in the order of probably Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, are the best three teams in the NBA, and Denver would be like third best. Um, nobody really knows about Sacramento. Memphis is dealing with the John Morant stuff. Phoenix is still trying to round into shape after getting Kevin Durant, but then of course Durant is now out. So there's nothing really about the West that you feel great about. But in the East, you've got these teams that were expected to be playoff teams that have been really, really disappointing. Um, and we'll see the Bulls first. They're not even in the play-in picture right now. They're only a half game out, but they're 31 and 37, which 31 and 37 in the West, you're three games out of the play-in. 
Right now, they're only a game and or excuse me, a half game out in the Eastern Conference. They're tied virtually in the standings with the Pacers, a half game back of the Wizards. So the Bulls certainly have something to play for. They're trying to get into the play in. It's where Pat Bev is now, right? Like he he joined a team that's trying to get into the play in. Not too dissimilar. I mean, the Wolves had a better record last year, but similar idea, right? Um, so the Bulls have been disappointing. The Raptors, who we'll get to here in a little bit, have been disappointing. They're currently in the nine spot in the West. They're half game out of eighth and Atlanta, um, but they're two games clear of the Pacers and Bulls who are just out of the play-in. So two teams that I think most people, Raptors and Bulls, thought would be top six teams in the East. I think a lot of people thought they'd be better than the Knicks, um, at least, and would be kind of right on that 6-7 borderline in the West. But instead, you're talking the Raptors in ninth and the Bulls tied for 11th um, so far this season. So they're very winnable road games for Minnesota. And then after that, you go at the Knicks, who are 41 and 30 currently, had a, a brief three-game losing streak here recently, but Tom Thibodeau has them playing really well in general. They're certainly better than I expected them to be this season. Um, so you go at the Knicks Monday. So Friday, Saturday is the, the, uh, the back-to-back at the Knicks Monday, and then home for a one-game homestand against the Hawks team that the Wolves beat by 21 this past Monday. But again, Atlanta is still fighting for that play-in positioning too. So every team the Wolves play the rest of the season except for San Antonio in the second to last game. And I guess potentially Portland, who uh, at the moment is two and a half out. So still technically in it. But when they play Portland, it'll be what, two weeks from now. So who knows? So really, there's only two two games in the schedule right now that you look at and say, those teams may have nothing to play for. They may be thinking about beaches and islands and the whole thing. Uh, everybody else is, is jostling to try and get into the play-in or get better positioning within the play-in or get out of the play-in into the actual playoffs. This is a difficult stretch for Minnesota. But again, winnable. The Wolves are a better team than the Bulls. They're a better team than the Raptors. Uh, you know, they're not a better team than the Knicks, but I feel like the Knicks aren't a terrible matchup for Minnesota. We'll talk more about that um, on Monday when we preview that game. But at any rate, at this stage, this is a really big road trip for Minnesota. Um, let's work backwards here. I want to preview Toronto's game. Well, no, let's do Chicago first, I guess. That makes more sense because that game's tonight. Um, so Wolves-Bulls, last time Minnesota took on Chicago, that was back in early December. This was shortly after Carl Anthony Towns goes down. I guess it was mid-December. Shortly after Carl Anthony Towns goes down with the injury. And the Timberwolves set a franchise scoring record in that game. They scored 150 points in a regulation 48-minute game and beat the Bulls 150-126. to 126. Um, They were actually down two at the end of the first quarter, but pretty much dominated the rest of the game. And this is a Bulls team that was healthy. They've been largely healthy this season, by the way. Um, but DeMar DeRozan had 29, Zach Levine had 22, but the Bulls, obviously the Bulls scored 150 points. There was basically zero resistance from the Bulls defensively. And of course, DeRozan and Levine, that's sometimes, and the Bulls are actually, it's crazy because the Bulls are actually a good defensive team. I mean, this season, what are they? Uh, they're sixth in defensive rating. Um, Levine still has some of those issues guarding the ball sometimes, um, I mean, Vucevic was healthy. Alex Caruso was healthy. Like guys that are impactful for their defense were played in that game. It was just an off night for Chicago and a really dynamic night for Minnesota. Anthony Edwards had 37 and 11 plus seven rebounds, shot 13 of 24 in that game, seven of seven at the line. D'Angelo Russell had 28 on 10 of 14 shooting. It was seven of 10 on threes. Also had eight assists in that game, 28 and eight for D'Lo. Um, Nas started, Rudy Gobert didn't play in this one either, by the way. So no Gobert, no Towns. Nas started and actually left with an injury after scoring 10 points in the first quarter. But uh, then Nate Knight had a big game off the bench. Knight had 16 points on six of eight shooting. Um, Garza played well, had seven, four, and three in just 10 minutes. So it was basically 
D'Lo, Ant, and a bunch of Wolves backups that played really well against a healthy Bulls team back in mid-December. Um, and and like the Bulls aren't too dissimilar of a spot right now. They were 11 and 18 after that game. They're currently six games under 500. So they've kind of been in that six to seven games below 500 all season on the fringes of that play-in race in the, in the East. Um, in terms of the Bulls as a team, like I mentioned, they're sixth in defensive rating. They're a really good defensive rebounding team. They're second in the league in defensive rebound rate. So they're not going to allow a lot of second chance opportunities. They defend without fouling. Um, they force turnovers. Like they're just a solid defensive team. They rank higher in terms of most metrics than Minnesota does defensively. And of course, Patrick Williams is part of that. Uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan to an extent, Pat Bev is now on this team. Nikola Vukovic, a lot of that is, is his defensive rebounding um, is, I mean, he's like the only guy that you worry about on the glass for this team. Um, I mean, I guess the other, like their next best rebounder is probably Javante Green, who is actually doubtful for the game against the Wolves on Friday. So um, this is a team that's going to play solid defensively. And for the Wolves, that's been a bit of a, a bit of a bugaboo, both last year and this season is teams that are solid defensively, that don't gamble, that are disciplined, that run whatever it is their coach wants to run and stick to it have been defenses the Wolves have struggled against. So that, that would be my concern. Now, of course, the last time these teams played, the Timberwolves scored 150 points and shot 65.5% for the field and 53.5% from deep. So if that happens again, like, again, that's more fluky than anything else. If that happens again, then, um, you know, the Wolves aren't going to lose. But if the Bulls play their game, it's actually not a matchup I love for Minnesota. I want to talk about the other thing I don't like about the matchup for the Wolves here in just a second. So we'll do that next. And then we'll talk Wolves-Raptors and eventually get to that last two-minute report from the Wolves-Celtics game on Wednesday. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Nissan. Nissan's most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Uh, the player of the week this week has to be Anthony Edwards. And I, I know that there were some frustrating moments and certainly the close to the game uh, the other day for Ant. Um, I, I mean, Edwards has been the Wolves' best player on the floor. Like Kyle Anderson is the only other one you could really you could really make an argument for. But over the last week, Anthony Edwards has has been what we've seen Anthony Edwards be for so much of the middle and late parts of this season. He's been brilliantly fierce. He's been fiercely elegant and stunningly powerful, just like the Nissan Aria. Over the past week, going back to the Nets game last Friday, remember he had that stretch of three games of 32 straight points or more. I'd argue he played best against the Celtics on Wednesday when he had the 28, 10, and 7. But if we go back to last Friday over those three games, Ant is averaging 30.7 points, eight rebounds, 4.7 assists, a steal per game and 1.7 blocks per game, shooting 48% from the field, 37% from beyond the arc. So in line with what he shot this year from the field, but he's been more efficient. He's gotten to the line seven times per game. Hasn't shot free throws great, but has gotten to gotten there. And again, it's because he's elegantly powerful. That's what Ant does. He gets into the paint. He gets to the line when he actually gets the calls uh, and he's impactful in the game that way. He delivers on duality, the combination of fierceness and elegance, beautiful but strong, the perfect SUV crossover, just like the Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence. All-in-one EV, the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. All right, Wolves-Bulls matchup. The other thing I wanted to talk about related to Wolves-Bulls is just how their best players score. Um, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are their primary scorers, right? Like obviously Vucevic does damage. He does his thing on the glass, but, but Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are where the Bulls get the majority of their scoring and they do a lot of their damage from mid range. DeMar DeRozan is 
one of the most frequent and prolific mid-range jump shooters we've seen in this generation of NBA players. And he's shooting 27% of his shot attempts are coming from between 10 and 16 feet. He's shooting 50% in that range, which is nuts for how much he shoots there. Uh, 30, 34%, so more than one in three of his shots are coming from that longer mid-range, that 16 foot out to the arc. And he's making almost 46% of those shots. He doesn't shoot very many threes and he's not a great three-point shooter when he does. But he lives in that mid-range. And of course, the Wolves play a lot of drop pick-and-roll coverage. They've done some different things here recently. They did some more switching the other night. I think that was the uh, was it the Brooklyn game. The Wolves were switching everything. And then Monday's game, too, uh, against Atlanta. Less of that on Wednesday against Boston. But the Wolves can't just play straight drop coverage. They can't play drop coverage like they did back when before Rudy Gobert, right? Back in the uh, David Vanterpool years when Rudy Gobert was, or excuse me, when Carl Anthony Towns was in drop every time down the floor and they got eaten alive by the Kyries of the world. They can't do that against the Bulls. I mean, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are going to have a heyday uh, if the Wolves do that. Now, Levine, of course, is much more dynamic from outside the arc. Like, he'll shoot in the mid-range, but he's mostly, I don't say he's eliminated, but only about 20% of his shots are coming from that 10-foot to the three-point line. And over 40% of his shots are coming from outside the arc. He's a 38% three-point shooter. He's a, just a tick below his career average. He was 41% just a couple years ago. But the volume is is really high for Zach. He'll, he's very happy to take those open three-pointers if you go under screens. So you have to be cognizant of who's got the ball in their hands. Where's DeRozan trying to get? The answer is the mid-range, you know, 18, 20 feet. Where's Zach Levine trying to get? And that's outside the arc. He's trying to pull up. And remember, he can pull up, rise up above anybody, the elevation he gets on his jumper and a relatively quick release. Um, those two guys are the guys you got to worry about. Uh, if anybody else beats you, then then somebody else beats you, right? Like Vucevic, the Wolves shouldn't struggle too much with him with Gobert as long as Gobert stays out of foul trouble. I should mention Nas Reed is listed as questionable with that calf soreness. He didn't play on Monday against Atlanta, but he did play Wednesday uh, against Boston. So we'll see if Nas is able to play. But that's pretty much it. Like, that's part of their problem. The The Bulls' offense is not very good. They're actually last in terms of three-point attempts per game. They're 29th in three-point attempt rate. They don't get to the line all that frequently either. They're 22nd in free-throw rate. Um, so, and that's because they shoot such a steady diet of mid-range shots. Levine is the only guy that shoots threes with really any frequency. Like, Kobe White and, to a lesser extent, Vucevic are the only other guys you really have to worry about. But no one else is shooting more than three threes per game besides those guys from outside the arc. I guess Patrick Williams. But um, all that to say, their three-point volume comes almost entirely from Zach Levine. Mid-range is a lot of DeMar DeRozan. But limit everybody else and keep DeRozan in that mid-range. Keep, keep at least contest, go over screens, contest Levine on the perimeter. You should be in okay shape. I mean, currently they're 24th in offensive rating. And again, last in, in three-point attempts per game. They are 14th in percentage, but they're last in attempts per game. Um, and it's a team that, you know, they're happy to uh, to, to play at whatever. Like, they, they're middle of the pack pace-wise. Um, it just kind of, it's more situational with the Bulls. And I, I just think it's a matchup that as long as the Wolves can handle themselves against, against uh, pick-and-roll action, with dynamic players like DeRozan and Levine. This is a very winnable game for Minnesota. But that plus how good the Bulls are defensively worries me just a little bit. Um, it's just so hard to, to square that with the fact the Bulls dropped 150 and won by 24 the last time they faced the Bulls. But anyway. All right. Real quick, the Raptors game on Saturday. Toronto's in a similar boat to Chicago in that they've disappointed this season. They're a little bit better record-wise, um, 34 and 36. What I say? They're currently ninth, tied for eighth, I believe, in the Eastern Conference. And the last time the Wolves faced the Raptors, 
Uh, Minnesota came away with a two-point win. That was a game the Raptors actually led for much of it. Toronto was up by 10 at halftime and by eight going to the fourth quarter. But D'Lo had a really big fourth quarter. I think he had 16 in the fourth and finished with 25 in that game, made five threes. Ant had 23. This was another game that both Rudy Gobert and Carlton Towns missed. Nas only played 22 minutes, but uh, the Wolves played small for a good chunk of the game. Nate Knight and Garza combined for 15 and five off the bench in a combined uh, 23 minutes. So they actually played quite a bit of small ball in this game. The Wolves did. Uh, Kyle Anderson played some center. You had Torian Prince played 24 minutes off the bench. Kyle Anderson had 20 points, 10 rebounds, six assists in the game against Toronto. Um, and next to D'Lo was the best player on the floor for the Wolves. Uh, Ant had 23, but it was relatively inefficient. Five of 16 from the field, two of eight from three, had five turnovers. Um, and Toronto, again, they've been a disappointing defensive team. I mean, you look at their roster and you're expecting the Pascal Siakams and the OG Ananobis and, and uh, you know, those guys to, to really... Uh, Fred Van Vliet, like you're talking about guys that are fantastic defenders in general. Why are they 17th in defensive rating as a team? Um, Scotty Barnes maybe hasn't taken the, you know, he hasn't taken a leap like many would have expected, but like that's a good roster, right? Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. They traded for Jakob Pertl at the deadline. Uh, Precious Achua, like they've got depth on this roster. Uh, and, and, I mean, it's maybe a little top heavy because the starting lineup is so good. But like in comparison to the Bulls, the Bulls only have four guys averaging 10 or more points per game. And one of them is averaging exactly 10. Uh, The Raptors, this is such a crude way to look at this, but like I think it paints a picture. They have three guys averaging more than 11 points per game. The Raptors have six averaging 11 or more points per game. And actually their lowest point man on that list is Pirtle with 15 points per game. So uh, the Raptors just have a deeper roster. They have a little bit more overall top end talent. Cause again, you look at the bulls and outside of Vucevic, uh, DeRozan and Levine, like nobody really scares you there, but Toronto could do it in a different way on any given night. Uh, I mean, it's a team that generally plays slower. They're happy to take what you give them offensively. They don't shoot a ton of threes, either the 26th and three point rate. Uh, but and they also don't make them at a high clip either. They're 28, 28th in terms of percentage. They do get to the line a fair amount. And defensively, they actually lead the league in defensive turnover rate. So I'm worried about the defense for both the Raptors and Bulls. If they can muck things up for the Wolves in, in those games, uh, they could be tough matchups. But again, these are two Eastern Conference teams the Wolves have already beaten. The Raptors by a bucket, the Bulls by 24. Um, and they're winnable road games for Minnesota against teams that they should be better than and that, and that they have already beaten this season. Um Again, the, the cliff notes on the matchups, the Bulls ones, I'm worried about how good they are defensively and their rebounding prowess. I'm worried about Levine from deep and DeRozan from the mid-range and how the Wolves will handle that defensively themselves. With the Raptors, it's more about the high level of athletes that they can put on Anthony Edwards and others. Because again, D'Lo getting hot and then you know a little bit of Kyle Anderson was really the only reason, if I recall correctly, and I'd have to go back and look, but I believe this was a game where the Raptors played some zone and Kyle Anderson was vital to breaking that. And he ended ended with six assists, only one turnover. Um, you're going to need another big Kyle Anderson game. You're going to need to be patient. And it can't just be an anti-ISO game. We've talked about this a lot, especially with Marnie Gellner on the postcast. Like, you can't just play ISO against some of these teams with athletic, long defenders and expect to win, even if Ant's a great isolation player. And he is. He's been doing a lot of ISO lately. And you can't strictly leave it at that against a team like the Raptors and expect to win. So difficult games this weekend, but winnable. We'll go live for the postcast after Friday night at the Bulls. That's 45 minutes after that game there or thereabouts on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. So be sure to subscribe there and then we'll post the audio. It'll be the next audio track here on Lockdown Wolves, the audio feed. 
Uh, we will not have a postcast on Saturday, so no postcast after the Raptors game Saturday night, but we'll be back at it on Monday, of course, Monday morning with the regular podcast as well. So we'll close the show here today. I do want to talk last two minute report from the Celtics game. I think we have to, like, I don't know. It just, uh, it makes me feel kind of gross, but we got to talk about it. Um, it, it's, it's topical and, uh, we're going to talk about it. So we'll do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, think about a time when you learned something new about yourself. What what was that experience like for you? How did it change your life? I mean, getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. I mean, I, I can speak for myself in the last year. There's a lot of things in my life that have changed, and it's changed me personally, and vice versa. The way that I react to situations um, has helped me grow. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash LockdownNBA. All right, last two-minute report from Wolves Celtics. We knew... The NBA releases these uh, by the end of the business day the following day for games that are uh, within a possession. I believe it's under three points within, the, yeah, uh, at or within three points during any point in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter or overtime if applicable. So we knew we were getting a two-minute report. I spent a whole segment, actually Marty and I talked about it on the postcast. If you only listened to the first part, we talked a lot more about the officiating towards the end of the postcast. Um, and then I talked about it extensively in the first segment on Thursday's show. And uh, the, the cliff notes of my argument here are, uh, I normally hate talking about officiating, but it was such a big, impactful part of this game. I had to talk about it. So I'm not going to rehash all that. But this game, the issues extended beyond the two minutes, right? Like the Wolves got the short end of the stick, the, the out-of-bounds call off Blake Griffin, the um, the ensuing moments after the Gobert technical, which again, I think that technical was fine. It was more the, the reason that it was called, which was that the Celtics complained about it. Um, and there were a couple other pretty bad ones mixed in there. The the Kyle Anderson, his first technical, I didn't really care for. Uh, you know, some of the verticality stuff Chris Finch talked about after the game, the 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 application of the inconsistent application of verticality uh, to the to the officials' decisions in this game. Some of those things the Wolves had legitimate gripes about. Some were a little bit murkier. The Nasrid overturn on the the blocking foul to charge, I didn't like that one. Some of the Gobert fouls, like I don't know, those are you could argue one way or the other with a straight face. Some of these you can't. And, and that's kind of where we ended up on this last two minute report. The first incorrect non-call with, with uh, just under a minute to play was Jalen Brown should have been called for three seconds in the, in the paint was not. Um, so that's on the two minute report. That was a possession where I, I don't believe that Boston scored anyway. Um, yeah, they didn't. So, uh, you know, not the end of the world, but still a missed call. And then it has uh, Grant Williams on the shot attempt that preceded the jump ball with under six seconds to play. It says that McDaniels and Gobert both initiated contact with Grant Williams' left and right arm, which causes Williams to lose control of the ball in the lane. And sh the Wolves should have been called for a shooting foul there, according to the last two-minute report. Now, of course, if they call that foul, the rest of this stuff doesn't happen. Um, so that's on them for not calling that foul. Um, and then it talks about uh, Gobert touching the ball, trying to get the jump ball with his foot out of bounds and should have been called... Uh, four out of bounds. It should have just straight been Celtics ball. So that's two missed calls that actually favored the Timberwolves. But then uh, 
as as everybody knew, um, by the way, there were also Celtics fans screaming that it should have been a foul on Gobert trying to get the jump ball. This says correct no call. The uh, the jump ball contact was legal from Gobert trying to get the jump ball, I should say. And then, of course, Grant Williams, uh, well, the the Joe Missoula entering the court and crossing the midcourt line, like, obviously, that was should have been a technical foul. Um, there's no question about that, but it's in here. Uh, in case you're wondering, the Grant Williams tipping the jump ball prior to reaching its apex, also an incorrect non-call. Uh, we talked about that extensively. That one is the worst one of all of them uh, because it was just a stolen tap. And how often do we see that called normally? Um, apparently, Al Horford moving before the jump ball was legal, which I, I need to go back and look at the rules. And I'm sure somebody's done this somewhere online since then. But I swear you have to be, I, I could have sworn you have to have your feet set when the ball's tossed for a jump ball. And he did not. It says he legally reestablishes his position without moving through the jumping circle. Now, he didn't go into the jumping circle, but if you don't have to have your feet set, you just be running around. You could have guys moving all the time. He certainly was not reset by the time the ball was tipped or by the time it was thrown or tipped. I rewatched it several times, the video that's linked in the last two-minute report. So I apparently don't understand that rule, and I don't understand then why officials have been calling it all along because they it feels like every time there's a jump ball, they're making guys reset and not move before the jump. Anyway, apparently that was legal. But Grant Williams did steal the jump ball, which, like, even if they miss calls earlier, you still have to get the call right when it happens. So that was a brutal miss, uh, it, which is the craziest thing. Like, when you're throwing the jump, I think it was Justin Van Dyme, you have to know you threw a bad a bad ball, and you have to either say, okay, it's a redo, or you call the violation on Grant Williams for stealing the tap, which is what shorter players do all the time when they go up against seven-footers. And that's exactly what he did at the most crucial moment in the game. And somehow it was not called. Um, now, the bigger thing is, of course, the Wolves' relationship with the officials. And John Krasinski at The Athletic had a nice article about this. Uh, I believe it posted early Thursday, so following the game. Um, and I've said this for weeks now on the show. I've talked about it with Marnie on the postcast. I've talked about it on the regular podcast. It's a vicious cycle. The Timberwolves get bad calls against them. They overcomplain. They get called for technicals. Officials start to expect the Wolves to complain. They call um, anticipatory technicals, in my opinion. I do think it's 100% unfair that Anthony Edwards doesn't get whistles the same way that, well, I don't know, DeMar DeRozan, like who we'll see Friday night. Like, Ant does not get the same whistle as hardly any other All-Star. Carl Anthony Towns never has. He's a, what, a three-time All-Star, and he's never gotten calls like other superstars do. Um and they don't do themselves favors by complaining. It doesn't make it right, but it doesn't help. And at some point, you reach a breaking point. You get frustrated. And that's why Chris Finch said post game he didn't fault his guys for getting ejected from that game because, because of how, how rough the officiating was. And so, you know, where do you go from here? Like, how do you improve those, those um, relationships? And obviously, Mike Conley famously zero technical fouls in his entire NBA career, which is just insane. Um, not zero ejections, zero technicals, which is crazy. Um, He's the type of player who apparently has professional, uh, legitimate relationships with officials. And if he can um, help impart some of that wisdom onto Edwards and, you know, Kyle Anderson is normally a little bit more level headed, but Edwards especially and Carl Anthony Towns when he gets back and um, Jade McDaniels and just kind of help them understand like, hey, here's the deal. Uh, or perhaps it's the other way, right? Perhaps he's translated for the officials to be like, hey, man, like I've been around a while and I, I've seen a lot of stuff. And this Timberwolves team is getting the short end of the stick a lot. Like that's a lot to ask Mike Conley to do, but it's true. I mean, the Wolves have not gotten a good whistle all season. Um, and it doesn't change the fact that they've, they don't respond well, but like I said, it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious, vicious cycle. All right. 
We'll be back tonight after Wolves Bulls. We'll we'll do the live postcast on Lockdown Sports Minnesota, and the audio is of course uh, on on the audio feed you're listening to now. Uh, but again, the video is on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. So we'll see you tonight. Of course, be back Monday with the regular show. We'll recap the weekend, preview the Wolves game on Monday against the Knicks as well. A big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. That's an app or on both the Roku and Amazon Fire TV app. Excuse me. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Now you can make your second listen, the Game to Game NBA podcast, every moment, every top performance, and every result. Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.